That was another prayer of St. John Henry Newman, um, recently canonized, one of our newest saints. But it's also a prayer that um, that St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta had come across years and years and years ago, and that she then mandated that that prayer be said after every Mass in all of her convents throughout the world. So whenever the missionaries of charity are um, gathered as community to, to um, participate in Mass, they will say that prayer uh, at the end of after in the part of their Thanksgiving. She was so moved by that prayer, uh, that called radiating Christ. You know. And that's really what we're all called to do, is uh, to be other Christs to those around us. So we come to our final conference uh, on that theme of drawing close to Mary. And um, I hope that we've been able to do that over these days and uh, come just a little closer to her and therefore a little closer to Jesus. Um, For most of us, St. John Paul II was the pope during uh, our years, um, certainly our era. Um, you know, one of the longest reigning popes um, and has left his imprint and impact on the church and continues to do so and, uh, you know, has influenced, uh, obviously, Pope Benedict and Pope Francis um, and continues to, to be uh, someone who um, was a giant figure in, um, you know, the late 20th century and the early 21st century. And we know that he had a great devotion to Mary. We've talked about that a little bit, that he chose um, for his own uh, motto, totus tuus, I am totally yours, taken from the consecration to Mary, according to St. Louis Marie de Montfort, which we prayed yesterday morning. Um, And John Paul II has many, many writings on on Mary to um, give us insights into his uh, love for Mary and his devotion to her. And John Paul II traces Mary's journey of faith and proposes it as a, as a model and an exemplar, as we saw earlier, uh, for every disciple's journey. In other words, every dis- disciple, every Christian disciple's way to Jesus. Um, and he he teaches that because of her unique place in salvation history as the mother of the Redeemer, um, the woman of faith, as often she's called, the woman of faith. Um, and Mary is able to accompany all of us uh, as disciples into this fullness, this full maturity of Christian discipleship and transforming of our lives. Specifically, her accompaniment as has a maternal character, uh, and the disciple avails himself of this form of maternal love when he welcomes Mary into our own homes, our own hearts, uh, and it's realized a special, in a special way through the, that Marian consecration. Um, that is the act of consecrating oneself to Jesus through Mary, the Mother Redeemer. And to understand how this is so, a little bit, it's necessary to contemplate the mother of the Redeemer, as her own following of her son, brought 
her to become the woman of the cross. We heard that uh, last evening and then also this morning, too, talking about that um, faith in, in times of desolation, you know, and, and we know that that was Mary's experience at the foot of the cross, and her faith endured through that darkness. And I think John, St. John Paul II sees Mary's spiritual journey in terms of a peculiar following of the Lord, a unique following of the Lord. We know that she occasioned the beginning of his public ministry at Cana when she presented a simple problem to Jesus, uh, an embarrassingly, uh, seemingly unimportant situation. Yet Mary raises up this human affair into a moment when the power of being obedient to her son becomes manifest for the first time. She says, do what he, do what he asks, do what he tells you. Um, and the excessive amount of the water become wine in that first miracle at Cana um, is a sign of jubilation and joy that expresses those who are obedient to Christ and what he brings, that fruitfulness. Obedience to Christ, in other words, leads to abundant joy, a joy that eclipses every earthly humiliation. At the same time, along with this joy of obedience that Mary helps the first disciples see, there's also at the same time kind of a curious distancing uh, that occurs in Mary's relationship with Jesus. We first see it there. Um, you know, woman, what is this to me? which is an odd way to respond to his mother. He refers to her not as mother, but instead as woman. A reference perhaps to Eve or to the first woman or to the new woman, the new Eve. Many have commented on that. Um, yet St. John in his gospel is silent about this inference and does not directly explain, though he returns to it at the cross. We hear... Jesus say, woman, uh, behold your son. Also in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they refer to instances where those who attempt to honor the mother of God um, or remind him of his duty to honor her are mysteriously corrected instead of celebrating the blessedness of the one whose womb bore him and whose breast fed him, he says that those are blessed, rather, who hear the word of God and keep it. In other words, that's more important than these maternal bonds. Similarly, when he's told that his mother is outside the door, he says that his mother is the one who keeps his word. And who, are my, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Those who keep the word of God are. And to St. John Paul II, these verses not only indicate a mysterious distancing, but even a spiritualizing of Christ's relationship with the mother of the Redeemer, with Mary herself. Mary indeed is mother because she received and kept the word of the Father in her heart, even before the Incarnation. And she has already been blessed among women by this very fact. Natural motherhood is subordinated to spiritual motherhood before the mystery of the Redeemer. So it is ever with Christ. He is spiritualizing 
um, he is the spiritualizing principle of humanity, first with his mother, Mary, then with each one of us. If we are drawn to the woman of the cross, we are also drawn to this mystery, this spiritualizing mystery, a mystery that causes us to suffer something of an absence of Christ as we grow deeper in our prayer. And we saw that this morning in those examples of, um, of St. Mother Teresa, uh, of St. Therese of Lisieux, um, of many of the great saints who drew close to Mary and experienced that distancing. The end of this spiritualization of humanity is a transformation of our human existence that actually participates in the very life of the Holy Trinity, uh, the mystery of, of God's love. This perfect unity of creature and creator coincides with the ultimate end of the divine economy. It is the mystical life. Drawing close to Mary baptizes us in this same divine life. How is this mysterious distancing of Christ from his mother related to this principle of spiritualizing humanity? Our natural way of being and the relationality that goes with it is all subject to sin and death. Nonetheless, it has the potential to be raised above itself because of all of this. All of our human relationships are part of our divine image and likeness to the Blessed Trinity. Those eternal relationships are the sources of all goodness, wisdom, and beauty in the world. And yet our natural way of life remains a very imperfect echo of the symphony it has been created to manifest to the world. As long as we are limited by these natural relations, we are not able to bear the divine act unleashed in our humanity. Accordingly, God must lead us on a a journey away from what is familiar, comfortable, and convenient for our natural powers that they might be exposed to what is not familiar, not convenient, or not comfortable. God's divine action is not a convenient or familiar part of human experience. It is above our created capacities. Yet what is above and unlimited has become into what is below and limited. God must free us from the limited, the convenient, and the comfortable so that we might know this new fullness and this new life and meaning. As he begins this work, the ways that we have grown accustomed to him working in our lives, his operations through normal life, circumstances that seem somewhat advantageous for humans, he leads us beyond and draws us deeper and higher and further. And we leave behind what is earthly in our pursuit of him who seems to have removed himself from our natural consolation so that he may draw us into a new spiritual consolation, a new fruitfulness. And this drawing us up and in spiritualizes our existence. What is natural is left behind. Our lives are supernatural, above the natural. Drawing close to Mary means to avail ourselves of this divine action. And we see this in the saints, and we experience it in our own lives, that those periods of desolation, which in the end are the most fruitful times as we persevere in our faith and we continue uh, to follow the light, even though uh, everything around us seems to be foreign or unfamiliar, we continue to follow, as Mary did, um, that light, and she leads us along that way. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.